welcome to Curious EMU, where we talk inspiring stories, ideas, and concepts to help you create a lifestyle true to yourself. Okay, guys, welcome back. My name is Freddie Saliba, and this is episode 38. So, in less than two weeks, I leave Chile, end of my working holiday visa, and where am I going? I'm heading to Ecuador. A little bit of a trip, so I have to go via Lima, and then take another flight further up north in Peru, and then Cape Bashes over <laughs> to Ecuador. Why am I going to Ecuador? I've actually got a house sit over there for 10 days. If you don't know what house setting is, check out a previous episode by Mitch Law. We talk all about it, but pretty much you get free accommodation when you look after pets or animals. So pretty awesome. And then, yeah, after that, I think Colombia, possibly, we'll see how we go uh, before I head to Camp Indy with my community of the location Indy amazing crew who today's guest is from as well so that's in june so i'm pretty much just traveling around i want to keep practicing my spanish so i'm going to try and stay in spanish-speaking countries as long as i can really <laughs> i'm pretty excited so by the time the following episode will be out which should be preset ready before <laughs> i had out of the country because yeah when this is released the next one episode 39 i will be in ecuador if all goes to plan <laughs> but you know not always going to plan but hopefully anyway so as i said today's guest laura she is from our location indie community and we talk about her journey into the interior design world and how she's been able to become predominantly location independent kind of semi semi remote <laughs> where she is able to do yeah most of the stuff online which has allowed her to move to australia on a working holiday for herself which now she's gone but i caught her just in the last month before she headed to Bali, which is now as I post this episode. So stay tuned. We also get to talk a little bit about the Australian bushfires because she was deep in it in a small town in New South Wales as it was all happening this year, last year. All right, let's get into it. So I'd like to welcome Lauren Copping, whose journey has taken her to a freelance work which she has recently started building up her own business, which involves space planning and 3D rendering for property developers, residential clients, and furniture developers. And a lot of this is online, remote work, which has also given her the opportunity to do a working holiday in Australia, which she's just about to finish up and going to Bali soon. So... Yeah, welcome. Thank you for joining me, Lauren. Thanks for having me. It's the first podcast I've done. <laughs> oh, nice. But, but you are an avid podcast listener. So yeah, you've got a bit of experience. But <laughs> So you grew up in Michigan, 
Is that was that Grand Rapids? Mm-hmm. You told me a little bit in when you wrote to me about um, how it was called like the fun- Furniture City and how that kind of gave you a little bit of passion to get into the interior design world, but you, you were resistant. How did that kind of go from there? Did, you said you went into business school and then... Yeah, so Grand Rapids is home to three major office furniture manufacturers. There's Steelcase, Herman Miller, and Hayworth. And Herman Miller is probably the most widely known with like the Eames family furniture design. I don't know. I might be speaking nerd talk, but um, yeah, they're all pretty concentrated in and around that city. And I grew up with my dad. He had them as clients. He's a tax and accounting software salesman. So he would have them as clients often. And I had always expressed interest in interiors. So he would bring me along sometimes for client meetings when I was a kid. And yeah, so I I got to know the companies at a pretty young age and I I had sketchbooks full of really bad floor plans, but floor plans when I was young. So I was always really interested in it, but I I do have a lot of family who they don't really see the value in the creative fields is the way that I do. When I was 17, 18, deciding what I wanted to do in college, which is super young now looking back at it. It's crazy how we have to decide back then when you you don't even know what's out in the world, let alone. Yeah, exactly. So they, they convinced me to go to Michigan State University my first year. And I went there for, started my first year at the community college in the city in Grand Rapids. And then I switched over in my winter semester to Michigan State. I did that semester there and I worked, I, I really worked my ass off. And it's not an understatement <laughs> uh, and not an overstatement, but they killed me. Like I worked so hard in my econ course and went to the, went to tutoring, went to after hours, went, just tried to understand it. And I just, I still got a, a B minus in the class at the end of the, the term. And I went to talk to my advisor and I had two A's, a B plus, and a B minus. And they said, look, you're not going to get into the business school. So you're going to have to take another year. And I just, I walked out of the advising office and I was bawling and I called my mom and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to business school. Never what I wanted to do. I said, I'm dropping out and I'm just going to start my own design business, like without any school. (laughs) After a few months of cooling down, I realized, okay, no, I really want to learn about this. So I uh, finished off my general classes at the community college in Grand Rapids. And then I switched over to the best school. Uh, it's Kendall College of Art and Design. Okay. And it's yeah. right in the center of Grand Rapids, but they are tightly connected. Their interior design program is one of the best in the state. And they're tightly connected to all of those furniture companies that I was talking about earlier. So, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up there. And I just took everything. I tried to take everything that I had to offer. I ended up having an internship at one of those furniture companies for a year. And we worked on showrooms all around the world. And I learned a lot about office settings and kind of space psychology in the the workplace. And I loved it. I, I really loved what I learned from it. But yeah, so that's kind of my intro. But I guess to tie it off, I guess, or to make sense of where I am now about 
halfway through my internship, I realized that it was completely draining my spirit and my creative spirit because it was an intern. And I don't know, there were just a few things that just didn't sit well with me in general about that corporate setting. So while I was kind of in my meditative tasks, like organizing the materials library or, you know, working on a SketchUp model or something for someone else, I would listen to podcasts. And that's how I found the Location Independent podcast or the um, Location Indie podcast. And that was Zero to Travel. So Zero to Travel that uh, Jason does. Is that right? Yeah, Jason Moore's one. Yeah. So it just, it just completely opened my eyes and I would listen to episode after episode during those long days where everyone else was in important meetings that I wasn't invited to or <laughs> yep, yep. stuff like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it really inspired me. And then shortly after, uh, a few months after I found the podcast, Anna was back and asked me to come to Australia. So I was like, wow, well, this is perfect. <laughs> Do you think you would have taken that opportunity if you hadn't been listening to those podcasts and kind of realizing that the idea of like the location independent work? I think I would have because I've been traveling since I was young too, but I don't think it would have been as quickly. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think it would have been like, give me a couple weeks to answer you. <laughs> but no, when she, when she asked me, I said, yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, how amazing. I wanted to yeah, go back a little bit. So you're talking a little bit about how you got to do a bit of creativity work when you were studying, but you ended up feeling that it was a little bit too restrictive in a sense. What did you mean by the creative work? So I guess the difference between the corporate job and what I was learning in school, what I learned to love about the field in school. And I know that in the real world, like it, with this job that I'm about to take, it won't be as... Uh, as free, you know, like you can't, you can't, um, the more the flexibility or basically no budget. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, or so kind of just getting straight to the point of whatever the project is rather than being able to have the time to explore the different options and right. Yeah. I think anybody, any client, many, many clients are going to look at the dollars and they're going to say, what do I need the most? And what's most important? And in a lot of cases, it's furniture. And then there's not much room for anything else other than maybe some paint. But what I really am inspired by is kind of looking at an empty space and imagining sculpting it in a way instead of decorating it, just kind of making it a completely unique experience in terms of architecture and materials. I really like the the super artistic spaces or using architecture in a functional way to influence like your personal experience and the way that you mentally react to a space. I don't know if this is making sense, but I think so. <laughs> I, I think it goes I think it goes uh, way further beyond paint colors, pillows and materials and furniture I think it's a like a painting has a few different colors of paint but that's not what matters the what the beauty of it is is the whole finished painting at the end it's kind of the artwork behind it rather than just oh look at those colors exactly yeah so I love doing that and in order to kind of exercise that I started this little project where I design 
uh, little cabins for my friends. Oh, cool. And it's just based on their personalities. And I have a, a little sketchbook full of those, but I'd like to do that eventually, I think. A specific project or? Um, well, I have a couple that I'm really dreaming of. One would be to design small cabins or small spaces. Um, I'm pretty passionate about living in a space that only has what you need and doesn't have much excess because we don't need much excess in the world. Yeah, um, I hear you on all those points. Yeah, one of my friends has looked a lot at, I think it's tiny houses or small, is it tiny houses? I think so. Um, And how, yeah, it's like, using the storage as many times and just what you need. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. And not necessarily tiny houses for me, but maybe like new apartment buildings. I'd like to consult people on how to make the footprints of the apartment smaller, but keep the functionality at the same level. And when developers do that, they can charge less rent because it's less square footage, but they can make more because there are more apartments when you save the square footage in the building you can fit more apartments into the building and then it helps them and it helps the renter as well. And it, that I think is a huge step towards affordable housing, especially in like San Francisco and all the cities that are having housing crises. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, so I'm interested in that and cabins and also mental health facilities. Okay, that's a, a very different side. Yeah, yeah. What interests you about those? And is it more like small medical places or more? No. So it's, uh, I had a friend when she was younger. I knew her since she was maybe seven, but she went through an extremely bad eating disorder when she was 13 for like a few years and was in and out of at least three different treatment centers, like inpatient centers for extended periods of time. And she would come back. I would see her in between the times that she would come out of one and go into another one. And it was almost like she was worse the couple times she came out of the first two. And it was just, it was incredibly hard to see. But she would describe these places to me because I would ask her, well, what did it look like there? Like, what did it feel like in these places? And she would describe the bars on her window and that the walls were all white and it was like a jail cell because that's all they had the budget for. And like their green space, their outdoor space was just like cracked concrete with grass growing through. And that was the only green they saw uh, for like a month and a half. Mm -hmm. And then the third one she went to was one of the most expensive. It's the one that Demi Lovato went to during her recovery from her eating disorder. It's in Chicago. And it was designed like a village. And you had a roommate and you had activities to do. It was another little community where you're able to process those feelings and those causes that bring you to where you are and that have brought you to that place. And she has never relapsed and never been back to another treatment center since that one and um i think way more way more of these facilities need designers in there helping them instead of just low budget architectural projects because i don't think a lot of them have many designers that have the budget really to make it what it needs to be make it effective yeah and i feel like People expect it or like both the medical field and then the public expect, oh, this is going to be, you know, those white bars, that's what it is. But yeah. why? Why? Why is that even a, 
a thing. I guess, as you said, a bit of the the budgeting, but does it really cost that much different, like white versus another color? You know what I mean? Like even just that little bit. Yeah, I also I also think a lot of these facilities were built during a time very different to now where people weren't comfortable with mental health issues and they, they weren't comfortable talking about it. They didn't understand it if they didn't have them. Yeah, that's a point. Yeah, I think that's that's why they're in such bad shape. It's it's really unfortunate. It's quite amazing to think to I guess remember about all things that it's not just that you know the the physical help it's like you're saying just your surrounding and how much that can affect you and I think that's part of what I don't know from hearing what you're saying is what you enjoy is how space can really affect you and it can you know coming from you you being able to put your touch to it as well would be quite amazing whether it's a cabin or the yeah, medical space yeah when I was younger I'd thought about being um a counselor a psychologist and I just, I've known my entire life that I don't have the emotional strength for that. But I think this is the best way that could help in that same area. So. Oh, for sure. So what sort of, you're doing a bit with your business now. I know it's at the start. So as you're saying, you're picking up some work later on, but so it's still like on the up though. Yeah. What sort of work are you doing with those different people? So I, my first client was a furniture developer in Grand Rapids and they do furniture for small spaces. And I'm going to give them a shout out because I love these people, but they're, they're called Urbaneer. Um, and I think they're, you could also Google Urbaneer Living, but they, they develop um, wall beds, uh, moving walls that you can place into apartments so if you slide the wall over it can become a kitchen on one side and then you slide the wall back and it can become an office on the other side and just more ways of optimizing that small footprint so they had me doing a few different things so I I would often just take their furniture and and they would give me a little a floor plan of either a showroom or a model space because they were just starting out they were a pretty new startup and I would just optimize the space using their product. I would show, my goal was to show people what the product could do for them. And we came up with some really cool floor plans. And uh, yeah, it was really rewarding. And I still do work for them here and there sporadically. Uh, but I think right now they're they're focusing on trade shows and trying to advertise using those materials that we had developed. So yeah, so that was my first client and they're they're fantastic. And then I also do real estate renderings. So there's a company in Grand Rapids that has different buildings that they're putting up and they want to advertise their availability. So I do bird's eye view floor plans for them that are in 3D. Yeah, so I have them. I've also had a, an actual project in Melbourne. And, um, oh God, I said Melbourne. <laughs> almost, almost. Melbourne. Melbourne, good. Yeah. Just try and say it as quick as you can, really. <laughs> I know. I, I usually I'm good at it. I don't know what it's been lately. Uh, anyway, so in in Frankston, and I know you're gonna, you're probably gonna roll your eyes at Frankston. It's looking good lately. They have a co-working space there now. Ah, yeah. It's um for those not from Australia or Melbourne, I guess it's a, yeah, kind of the I don't know how you say that. It. It's a city that's, I guess, yeah, not. I idly looked on, you know, they said it's a place yeah, you have to, I don't know how to fully say it, uh, but. They call it the ghetto. 
Yeah, but I yeah, felt like no, honestly, even... it's changed so much in the past 10, 15 years. It's just because a, a lot of the welfare is not as good. So, you know, you get the, the lower class as well, and you know, like that. But, you know, I think more at night than anything. But anyway, sorry <laughs> to get a bit sidetracked. I hear there. they have a good skate park, though. They have a, a vegetarian cafe. And Ooh, yeah. I could be happy. Yeah, they're, honestly, I was there Yeah, last year when I was back in Australia and yeah, it felt pretty normal, to be honest. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> anyway, so there was a, I joined a meetup group in Melbourne when I was living here. Amazing. Love meetup. Yeah, for freelancers. And oh, cool. we met at the, the art museum. Is that what it's called? No, the, the museum that's right on the river there near uh, Flinders. You'd think, uh, uh, you mean like, are you saying like the... the directly across the street from flinders station oh okay yeah i'm thinking of something else so i'm not sure yeah there we go point is i met them there and um oh oh, federation square oh my gosh is that what we're saying yeah oh god oh stupid me of course i know that one (laughs) (laughs) um we got there so yeah the the admin of that group the the organizer is one of the co-owners of this co-working space in frankston and we were having a conversation about, you know, what what do you do? What do you do? And I told him about my design clients and stuff. And he said, well, if you want to come down and give us some pointers, we really want to update it. And yeah, so I had my first real project. I specified, you know, all the furniture and um, all the materials that they would need. And it was a pretty tight budget, but it turned out really cool. I was really happy with it. And I think... I think they should be constructing pretty soon. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. It'd be cool to, when you be able to see them, you know. Oh, I know. That'll be great. Like, this is what I drew, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You mentioned before we started about a few, few different ones that you've been working, like from Melbourne, was it San Francisco, a few different places. Have a lot of them been remotely or yep mainly all of my design work except for that the co-working space and remote like I did two site visits before the project started and then a site visit towards the end just to meet with them again but yeah the the San Francisco one is a it's a company that's hired me as a contractor and they they have a system set up it's not really like I'm freely creating these renderings or stuff like that, but they, they have their own software. It's called Modsy and they hire freelancers from all around the world, really, but you have to be a citizen in the U S. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just, um, yeah, I just use their software that they've developed and outfit different living rooms and bedrooms, dining rooms with the furniture that they have partnerships with the furniture brands that they have partnerships with. And then I make a small portion per room. Is that where the commission versus freelance comes in differently? Or how does... Sorry, I just wish. jumping in there. No. <laughs> it's probably... It's one of those jobs where it's like, it's good for now. It could definitely sustain me in Bali for a while. But it's not something that I could do full time. And I don't always agree with their payment system, but... It is what it is right now, and I'm I'm very happy to have it. A bit like my teaching English online. Exactly. 
exactly. For like I've described it, like I really like what I, uh, I don't like exactly what it is, but I'm happy. It's giving me exactly right. what I want now. And, you know, yeah. so yeah, yeah, definitely. What is the difference between like a contract work and freelancing or is it you're still a freelancer, but you get contracted? I would say my freelancing clients are the ones that are fewer and far between. They just come to me per project. Yep. Like Urbaneer in Grand Rapids, they don't always need space planning or renderings. So whenever they need me or I'll check in on them every few months and be like, hey, what's going on? And sometimes they'll have stuff for me. But then the contract, I would say with Modsy, I do have a contract with them where I, I have a minimum number of rooms that I have to style per week. Uh-huh. It's almost like a contract, like we will be able to provide you with seven rooms per week to style and I will do that. So it's kind of like a good halfway in between sort of work. As you said, you could do it full time, but, you know, work towards the something that you really, really want to do, which sounds like you've got a good eye on. Yeah. But has it been since you came to Australia in regards to the work, has it had to change much with the situation at all? Yeah. So I went home in the middle of my year here. Because I, my grandma took our family on a little vacation through the Canadian Rockies. Oh, amazing. And that was amazing. Then I went home and to Michigan to be in my friend's uh, wedding. I was the maid of honor and that, I, oh, it was awesome. But when I came back, my plans changed a bit and I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't live in Melbourne anymore. I went to the coast of New South Wales and my focus kind of shifted. So... That's been the hardest part. I had a lot of other things to focus on. And then the serving job that I had there was in need of a lot of people at first, but then the fires hit and then I had some extra time. But yeah, don't think of it in that way either, do you? Uh uh-uh. uh. It was pretty rough. <laughs> Were you quite in the, the middle of it or? Yeah, I was. I was there. Uh, there was, I think, January 3rd few days after New Year's was the worst day and we woke up at <laughs> like 11.30 a.m. It felt like it was nighttime and we look outside and the air is red. Everything is red. Wow. And we couldn't breathe. Jeez. It was, it was. Did you have to get some masks or did you just get out of? They were sold out everywhere. And uh, so we just had, I, I had my scarf on my face always because I was, I mean, I was lightheaded and I wasn't getting enough clean air. It was pretty wild. We ended up waking up and packing up all of our things that we had had half packed the night before. Got in our our camper van and went to our friends and it was just 10 minutes down the road, but they were staying in a, in a little like apartment rental because they were there on work. And we just sat in their air conditioning, which barely helped, but it helped. Oh, wow. It was, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, because their condition is still using that air, but, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> Filtering it the best it can. But, yeah, exactly. Wow. But the fires weren't even, they were like 10 kilometers away at that point. But the smoke. I mean, they're still pretty close, but yeah. Wow. We were in this little town called Pambula, and it's in this this region called the Biga Valley. We were in this little bubble where within 10 kilometer radius, there were not any fires, but everywhere else past that 10 wow. kilometers was 
all on fire. Wow. I don't know how it happened. We went during our road trip. We went to so many places that were just burned up to the coast during that time. And it was pretty terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Did you get to see a lot of the aftermath as well? And Yeah. Yeah. Um, my friend had to drive to Melbourne uh, in the middle of January. Well done, by the way. You said that perfectly. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it without thinking about it. <laughs> No, my friend had to drive to Melbourne mid-January and he said that like there was such a long stretch of road where everything was dead, like no birds, no, no sign of life at all. And it was, it was just creepy and eerie. And I, I can only imagine I had at least two friends who had their homes burned to the ground and they lost everything (laughs) and then also there were there was this one building in in this town called eden called the chip mill and it was like a wood processing mill and it burned to the ground and that killed probably i mean i don't really know but hundreds if not thousands of jobs so it it's really impacted the communities and like i said earlier i was i was working at one of the best restaurants in that little area and we went from needing 10 staff on for lunch to two staff on for lunch. And it hasn't really changed. Is it mainly because it's not people around? Like you're saying. All the tourists. Yeah, yeah, and tourists tourists as well. Yeah. As long as there are fires burning nearby, people don't want to come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So it was, it was pretty intense and, in many ways. And a lot of people I know, like my family in America, people don't think about that part of it. And I think that was the most devastating part of the fires, everything that people lose. Yeah. You think of just, are they okay? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't don't know how, if, how many people did, did anyone die? I don't ever know. Oh yeah. Yeah. There were? Um, There were were a lot of people. (laughs) I should know this. Yeah. A lot of people. (laughs) No, it's, yeah, it's hard. A lot of people stay at their homes. Uh, one of my good friends, Corey, his parents stayed at their farm because that's their that's their livelihood, is their home and their property. And they stayed there and like had the water set out. They sprayed down the roof constantly. You fill the gutters with water. You yeah. There's so much preparation, and a lot of people die from staying in their homes. But his family's all right, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, no, because yeah. Yeah, my uncle and aunt have a farm and I remember there was fires. I don't know. I don't think there was any this year. I didn't get told about. But I don't know, the last year or the year before and, yeah, they had yeah, fires coming up and they were like, oh, we're not sure, like, we want to stay, and, you know. I think, yeah, right. family could luckily convince them otherwise. I think it was fine in the end anyway. But, you know, it's a, I understand the livelihood, but then I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Some people unfortunately don't get convinced and you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And fires are a whole different thing to floods or torrential downpours because I don't think people realize how terrifying fires are until you actually understand how big they are and how powerful yeah. they are. And it's also not just the fire, it's also the smoke, like you were saying, being 10 kilometres out, you couldn't breathe. If you're surrounded by fire, it's not the actual fire that's going to kill you. So, you know, but (laughs) 
even a gas mask isn't going to help for that long. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty intense. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I can only imagine uh, being <laughs> so weird being away from it while it, that ha- big thing happened. But has Australia been other other than that? As you say, you've been in the van a bit. Was that for a lot of the trip? That was since I came back in October. I flew into Sydney and then my friend picked me up from the airport and we drove down the coast from there all the way down to Eden. And yeah, we just stopped in different little national parks and... I was meant to I was meant to fly back to Melbourne and live here. Um, so we drove to Canberra and stayed in the national park there, which I'm pretty sure is all gone now. <laughs> oh yeah. And I was kind of waiting to go to the airport. We were in the national park still and and I was like, wait a minute, I think I want to live on the coast. <laughs> it's so beautiful here. And I've lived in cities for quite a few years now. So I I think I want to try town and I want to live near the water, near the beaches. So I just decided to make a quick trip back to Melbourne, grab my stuff and then move back there. Amazing. And that has been the best little community. I've made such good friends there through work. I, the past couple of weeks, I've been living with some people I met through work and they've become some of my best friends. Amazing. Yeah. The people here are incredible. I do love it. It's the only place I've been where I actually do feel like it's home because I know that I can come back and I can have a place to stay and I'll have friends. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's all you really need. And maybe even a place to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can do it online, then that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the goal. Yeah. Then you, as you said, you're heading off to Bali for a couple of weeks. Uh, are you going to yeah. be working while you're doing that as well? And I'm going to try to, yeah. Um, I really want to get picking back up on Modsy, as I said, but lately they've been a little slow in their demand. So for anyone listening, go check out Modsy. Give me some work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I want to get back into that, but I also really want to um, just kind of cleanse. (laughs) I... I've been doing a lot of celebrating the past couple of weeks and with my friends, my new friends, and I've been wanting. Yeah. 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 I'd I'd like to, um, you know, do some yoga, just relax, go to the beaches, maybe do some diving. That's, that's my goal really. I don't really know where I'm staying yet. Nice. Talking about all your travels is so, yeah, just like you're saying with the, uh, no, I don't want to move to Melbourne. Like I'm going here. Yeah. Amazing at it. That's the sort of you know, way I like doing it. It's like where I going, oh, yeah. I think here. Yeah. You get to see a bit more of the opportunities that just come out, I guess. So then after Bali, you said I think you back to the US. Is that right? And then you've got your job yeah, lined up a bit. Yeah. When do you start your job in Hawaii? <laughs> in uh early April. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I found that one through a friend uh, from school too. She's working there and she's from Grand Rapids also. So that'll be nice. Nice. Yeah. What sort of work is that? It's actually a furniture dealership for um, one of those big office companies that I was talking about that are headquartered in Michigan. I know the product and yeah, I think it's it's a perfect job for me to find over there. <laughs> and Hawaii, as you said. <laughs> but yep. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> It'll be in Honolulu. Oh, nice. Just got to figure out how to um, 
budget for rent there. Oh yeah, Cost that would be high. Yeah, can yeah. Yeah. Oof. I think yep. it's the number seven on the most expensive cities to live in. <laughs> really? Wow. Like that, yeah. There you go. Yep. I mean, I'm I've come to Chile and it's like the only expensive place in South America, you know. Well, not the yeah. only one, but uh, <laughs> it's like we're like, yeah. why here? It's like, oh, you know, more so yeah. than that. But you know, we'll get it. <laughs> it's beautiful there, though. So, if someone's looking at, I guess, getting into kind of the interior design, this sort of field, how do you generally do it? Is it more in like a degree? You did more of an arts degree, is that correct? Yep, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Interior Design. Okay. You said you you started off like just going into it and then realised you needed a bit more study. Yeah. Are you glad you did the study in the end? Yeah, and I think a lot of people can be really successful without a degree, but I, I think those people are more typically more interested in like interior decor. Yeah, like you're talking about the other stuff. Right, putting a space together with furniture and accessories which is really important, but I think you also have to make sure that you have a good education on materials and what those different materials, uh, how they perform. And like, for example, you could get a certain type of rug in your living room. And if you have two dogs and two toddlers, that thing's going to be ruined within a year and you could have paid a thousand dollars for it. So it's important to know these things and make your clients happy and yeah, that's my my biggest advice. If if anybody wants to get into it and doesn't want to go to school for it or doesn't have, like already has a little business going, just make sure you know your materials. Absolutely. And just quickly with uh, freelance work, would you say that's obviously like any sort of business, it takes a while to build up, but have you found it reasonably okay to build in the end or a bit harder than expected? Well, I, so I went into it without a plan. Yeah. <laughs> so this past year has been kind of a juggle between still working and making a plan. <laughs> I, I know that it can work because I've come up with some ideas to, yeah, not necessarily like there is a lot of value in being physically present in a space and being able to design that way. And I, that is how I prefer to do it. But in terms of freelancing in some sort of area surrounding interiors and architecture, I think like 3D renderings are really valuable. Also style consultations, you know, you can put together material boards for people and just give them inspiration. And right now, I mean, I am, you can do full interiors projects remotely. It's just a little, little more difficult to envision space and really feel the space, but Right now I'm doing a master bathroom project as well. And I've been in this space before, but it's it's been a while. Awesome. I guess we'll probably wrap it up here. But if someone wants to get in contact with you, maybe, you know, if they're looking for interior design or want to check out your work or anything, what's the best way for that? By the time this comes out, my website should be launched. I, I made a new website and uh, my old one is has expired. The domain's expired. So the website is... Mont, M-O-N-T, designco.com. And my Instagram, well, my personal Instagram is yep. uh, underscore, underscore L-A-R-N. That's my nickname. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the main one that I use. And then I have a business one as well called Mont Design. And it should be Mont Design Co. 
Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I'm an open book and I love talking to people and talking to like-minded people and getting inspiration or vice versa. If anybody wants to reach out or just don't be shy. (laughs) I love talking to people who are interested in this and who are doing similar things. So don't be shy. Thank you. And thank you for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Talk soon. Yeah. I can't wait to see uh, where you go and what you end up doing after your online teaching or your teaching English yet. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Remember to check me out on Facebook, Instagram, and let me know what you guys think. And if you have any guest suggestions or you want to jump on and tell me your story. And I'll see you in Ecuador. Yes. Remember, guys, stay curious.